Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen on a Friday night, 704-570-1110. And guys, follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. So if you were listening to the show on Wednesday night, you heard me break down the tweet that Pat Harrigan put out about Tim Moore. And Pat Harrigan is running for Congress. And he's over there in the Gaston County, Cleveland County, Burke County, that area, going to be running for Congress. And so he put out a tweet, a preemptive strike against Tim Moore. And it was a bombshell, like it was a big one. So I've got a chance to talk to Pat Harrigan about that particular tweet and other things going on with the campaign right now. So first of all, Pat, thanks for joining us. And second of all, that was quite the tweet you put out on Halloween night. What was the thought process in putting that tweet out? Brett, thanks for having me on. It's always good to be with you. I mean, look, uh, Tim Moore's name is synonymous with and inseparable from corruption and scandal. And, you know, we we never mentioned his name. Uh, a lot of people came to the conclusions because, quite frankly, if the facts line up and the shoe fits, well, Tim Moore needs, needs to wear it. Um, but Tim Moore is a symptom of the greater problem that we have in this country of corruption in our leadership, self-serving leadership, not selfless leadership. And so I think that with all the problems that we have in this country, if we are going to tolerate those type of people vying for positions of higher leadership, we're never going to actually solve any of the problems that we have. And we're going to stare our kids right in the eyes and say, well, we knew better, but we didn't really do anything about it. And look, I think a lot of leaders in this country, they don't know how to fight. They don't know when to fight. I do, and I'm fighting. I'm talking to congressional candidate Pat Harrigan, who's running for Congress over there in District 14, Gaston County, Cleveland County, Burke County, a couple of other counties as well. What was the thought process on putting out such a strong tweet so early? Because it was very pointed. Well, why would you be weak, Brett? At the end of the day, if, you know, I, I think a lot of people uh, thought that this might have been too strong. Well, they should have seen what didn't make the cut and didn't get published. Uh, and if anyone thinks that this particular tweet crossed the line, they better cover their eyes if a corrupt go-along-to-get-along politician gets into this race. I mean, God help that man. And I'm serious about this because I will hold him accountable for everything that he has done, both things that are known and unknown. I'm not messing around here. And, you know, primaries can be very, very nasty, and we want to focus on the things that actually get this country moving forward. But I'm telling you as a husband, I'm telling you as a father, I'm telling you as a West Point graduate, I'm telling you as a Green Beret with all my experience overseas, this country will not survive corruption. And if we have corrupt leaders making it to the next level, my kids are destined to fail. And I will not allow that to happen. I'm talking to District 14 Congressional Candidate Pat Harrigan. So how is the campaign going so far? Incredibly. Just got back from D.C. yesterday. I mean, we're making great relationships all over this country. 
not just throughout North Carolina, not just throughout this district, all over the country. And look, I, I think folks are just dying for people who are, are trying to go to Washington for the right reasons, that they don't care whether they become a congressman or not. And, and people have always looked at me kind of funny when I say that, but it's like, look, I don't care. I don't care whether I get there or not. I've got to do the very best that I can to try to change this country. And the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to follow the time-tested principles that I know and love, that this entire district knows and loves, that this country has traditionally relied upon. And I'm going to go there and, and I'm going to take the will of the people who sent me. And I'm going to execute that will. And I do not care who stands in my way because we are at a point in this nation's history where we have to stop caring about the minutiae. We have to get the big things done. We have to keep the main thing the main thing. And that is principled leaders of character acting boldly in this country. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Talking to District 14 congressional candidate Pat Harrigan here on Breaking with Brett Jensen. So when you saw the new maps come out, parts of southern Mecklenburg County, the northern part of Mecklenburg County in the Huntersville area and going north, Gaston County, Cleveland County, going on up into Burke County. When you saw the new maps come out, what were your thoughts? You know, I, I thought that the district was as good as it could have possibly been for me. I mean, I live in Gastonia. Certainly we ran uh, with the, the, the Gaston County, uh, you know, Mecklenburg County district last cycle. Uh, we built a lot of inroads there, made some great relationships, some lasting relationships that I'll have for my entire life. And now my plant is up in Burke County. I mean, like we are through and through in this district uh, as much as anybody else in this geography. So I know a lot about the area. I've lived in the area. Uh, I, I employ people in the area. I pay a lot of tax in the area. Uh, like I get the area. I understand it. I know the people and I'm, I'm willing to do the work in order to bring the right results uh, from, from Washington, D.C., not just for this district, but also kind of just look, leading by example and showing people where we need to go to get out of this mess that we're in. Talking with congressional candidate Pat Harrigan, are you worried about any kind of retaliation or personal attacks from Tim Moore and the Speaker of the House? You know, look, I'm very focused on what I'm going to do and how I'm going to hold people accountable. I want to make very clear the distinction between the people that are going to be in this race. And if people do not know in this district what that distinction means, I'm going to make sure that they do know. And I will get their attention. I think you've seen my, <laughs> you've seen my commercials before, Brett. Uh, they leave a lasting memory. And I can tell you, uh, they're going to be a whole lot better this cycle than they were last cycle. We're talking to congressional candidate Pat Harrigan over there in District 14 here on Breaking with Brett Jensen. So, Pat, you've mentioned corruption quite a bit. You keep saying that word. What do you mean by that? Look, uh, as a Green Beret, I have seen firsthand what corruption will do to a country. It stifles truth, prosperity, and it just kills opportunity. That's not the world that my daughters are going to grow up in. I will not let that happen. And people deserve better. It is time that we send fighters to Washington and not more attorneys who are looking to make deals, climb the political ladder, and have the title congressman in front of their name. We have to send folks up there that have the right motivation for the task, and that motivation is much, much bigger than them. Pat Harrigan, District 14 Congressional Candidate, I really do appreciate you joining me. 
Brett, hey, seriously, thank you for the opportunity and uh, look forward to crossing paths with you here pretty soon. All right, when we return, let's get into a few more things, and we're also going to talk about the Carolina Panthers later on today as well. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Friday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. And guys, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. So we know about some of the elections that are going on in Charlotte. There's really only one, and that's the District 6 City Council race between Tark Bakari and Stephanie Hand. But there's also, you know, the school board race as well as the three large members but the small town elections, Waxhaw, Indian Trail, Huntersville, those are the ones that are going to be very, very interesting to watch and keep track of. And right now we're going to bring in Scott Hamilton from the WBT Newsroom, who's been following the Indian Trail election stuff. And it has been wild over there for like the last month and a half or so. For So first of all, Scott, thanks for joining me. I really do appreciate it. And Scott, what are we looking at in terms of the big races there for Indian Trail? What's up for election? Uh, Brett, you got three city council seats coming, coming open or up, up for election. One, one is being vacated. Uh, Marcus McIntyre has decided not to run for re-election, served one term, and uh, it's going to move on to some other things. But uh, Todd Barber, the mayor pro tem, he is up for re-election, and so is Crystal Buchalak. Crystal Buch, and so. Todd Barber is up for re-election to Mayor Pro Tem, and so is Crystal Buchelak. Uh She's up for re-election as well. So three seats there, and the mayor position. David Cohen, the uh, the mayor, he's uh, going up against Dan Schellenkamp. So it's uh, it's coming down to the wire, man. This has been a really interesting election season in Indian Trail, to say the least. Talking with Scott Hamilton from the WBT Newsroom. So, Scott... With the elections going on in Indian Trail, is there any sense one way or the other on how this might go? I have no clue. I really, really have no clue. And I, I don't know that anybody in the town has any clue. And it, it's been vicious, man. It's been divisive. Um, I spoke to a community leader yesterday who has chosen for his organization not to get involved in it in any way, shape, or form. And he said it's like a blood feud. Those are his words, blood feud. And he said you would think they were running for the White House. I mean, I get it. It's important. It's where these people live. And they want they want to have a say in the direction of their community. And they want to make sure that everything is done above board and so on and so forth. But, man, the vitriol and just the venom that is spewed from this campaign. And, and Brett, here's, what's, here's, here's a wild thing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I came on your show, and I, we were talking about how Mayor Pro Tem Todd Barber, a city councilman, 
had accused another city councilman of making inappropriate comments, assaulting however you want to permit another city councilman. So it was like a triangle. And and we had that back and forth, and then Barbara ended up recanting a statement saying, "Oh, it's getting too much media attention. I I don't I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it." But those two councilmen that were jawing at each other, might might not have touched one or the other. They're not up for re-election. They're good for another year or two, so they're going to be sticking around. It, it's just crazy, man. And, and the way that everybody has like got these teams, because Brett, you know how it is. If you're on a council and you're wanting to get something done, you you need help. You need people on your team. You have to convince your fellow council members to vote lockstep with you. So what these people are doing are they're they're running in, in tandem like three, so that they can have a quorum whenever they have an issue come up and get it to go their way. It's just absolutely. Again, that that community leader he called it a, a blood feud, and that's what it feels like. And I I actually can't wait, Brett to go end of next week in the Indian Trail and talk to some people and say, how do you feel now that this election season is over? Can you exhale? Has it changed your opinion of your community? Uh, what do you expect to happen next? Talking with Scott Hamilton from the WBT Newsroom. So, Scott, on election night, which is Tuesday night, you'll be covering the Indian Trail elections as well as the Democrat Party in Mecklenburg County, correct? Yeah, they're posting me up at the uh, Democratic HQ. And but I'll have uh, I'll have a phone, maybe two phones, double fisting, seeing what's going to happen in Indian Trail. And it's funny, Brett. The biggest issue at Indian Trail this election season has been that downtown, uh, I guess revitalization, revitalization might be the proper word, the way to reshape the downtown, what they want it to look like in ten years, twenty years. It's not even going to come back up until after the election. They tabled it. So the way people vote will directly impact, I guess, or represent how they feel about that plan or what they know about that plan at this stage. So it's, it is, it is interesting. I just wish, I just wish it was a little cleaner, a little less uh, bloody. Scott Hamilton, welcome to local small town politics. All right. I really appreciate you joining us tonight here on this Friday night. And again, our election coverage will start on Tuesday night at 7 PM. I do not have a show. Bo and Beth and Kenny Smith and Joe Ford will be in studio. I'll be out covering the Republicans, Huntersville, the, and the school board races. And then you're going to have Mark Garrison back in the studio along with Jeff Atkinson covering everything else and a lot of other things. And then you've got Scott Hamilton covering Indian Trail as well as what's going on with the city elections with on the Democrat side. So we've got you covered basically from gavel to gavel on Tuesday night at election night, and it'll start at 7 p.m. And I believe it'll probably go up until about 10 p.m. or so. That's my guess. But we want to make sure and find out who actually wins the Charlotte City Council races as well as the local small town races because those are going to be a big deal. And like I said all the time, look, the small town races in Mecklenburg County and the surrounding counties, those tend to get a little nastier. Even though it's Republican on Republican crime or Democrat on Democrat crime, these are people that go to school together. The children go to school together. They go to church together. They shop at the same grocery store. Like they do everything in the same community and therefore it tends to get a little nastier. Sometimes it's got like a Jerry Springer feel to it as opposed to Charlotte where things are and people can be separated by a lot of miles and they're never in the same community. So small town politics It can get really, really nasty, and we've got all your coverage again on Tuesday night starting at 7 p.m. with Bo and Beth and Kenny Smith and Joe Ford. All right, so look, 
When we come back, I want to get into a little bit of the highlights from last night when I had Malcolm Graham, the Charlotte City Council member, in. I want to play some of his highlights because he had a lot of very interesting things to say. But right now, let's swing on over to the WBT Newsroom with Anna Erickson. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this edition of Breaking with Brett Jensen, 704-570-1110. And guys, follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. Okay, so yesterday, last night here on the show, I had Charlotte City Councilman Malcolm Graham in studio for a full hour. And he had a lot of very interesting things to say. You can go to the website, WBT.com, go to my show page, and you can hear the entire interview there. But I just wanted to take out a few of the highlights early on in the show where we talked about how there basically aren't any Republicans left in government and also the fact that, hey, how much money and what are you going to do with the Carolina Panthers in that new stadium? So we talk a lot about a different things. And so here's Malcolm Graham, some of the highlights from last night. Okay, so let's start off with a couple of things. It's, it's election season. I think the city, there's, what, 28% of the voters or 27% of the voters, I think, in Charlotte are, are um, Republican. They don't, they're, you know, basically n- nobody running for mayor. There's, like, so many, you got Ed Driggs, the Republican, running unopposed in the South. And you got the big race going on with Tark Barkari, Stephanie Hannon, District 6. But so many races are unopposed. What do you think about that? And does it bother you or no? It bothers me. Uh, I believe civic engagement and civic participation is really important, and um, I'm a competitor, and so um, I I like to compete, and I like to run races, and uh, running unopposed is not fun because you're sitting on the sideline watching everybody else, but more importantly, it's it's not really in the best interest of the community. The community should have dialogue back and forth. Uh, The parties should exchange ideas and, and duke it out and may the best man or woman win. And I think that produced a better candidate, produced a better council member, and it produced a better um, dialogue around the dais once the, the council is set. So not having a competitive mayor's race, me being unopposed, um, the majority of the council now is unopposed, having little or no Republican opposition, uh, it's not in the best interest of the community, and um, I think we're, we're, we're lost for it. For probably about a year and a half now, maybe two years, the three names that you kept hearing was that you, Dimple, Braxton, all eventually want to be the next mayor whenever Vi decides not to run anymore. And many people think this will be her last term coming up, her final two years. If you want to break news on this show right now, I'd be really grateful. But are you interested when Vi, when Vi, whatever that is, would you be interested in running for mayor, or or are you strongly considering it? Would you like to? What are your thoughts? Let me answer it this way. Um, I've served for, this is my second tenure on city council. I served from 99 to 2005. I served for 10 years in the state senate, um, ran for Congress unsuccessfully, lost my sister at the Emanuel AME Church shooting in Charleston, um, stayed away from public office for about four years, came back in 2019, to serve from city council, um, worked at nonprofit organizations, worked at major corporations in the city. Being an elected official is what I do. It's not who I am. So I don't have to be mayor. I don't have to be mayor pro tem. I'm not, I don't wake up every morning thinking about it, looking in the mirror, saying, there's Charlotte's next mayor. Uh, if the work is to be done, uh, and if uh, I think there's a lot of work to be done, uh, I wouldn't mind doing it. 
Um, obviously, I'm thinking about it for sure. Um, but, you know, I got a book coming out in 2025 as well. Um, the, really? way, the way forward about my Charleston experience with my sister. And uh, hopefully I'll be in a book tour in, in 2025. Um, 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 I love traveling and I'm not, uh, I went to Paris this year and my daughter's a um, women's basketball coach in Washington, D.C. at Hartford Community College. So I, I go visit her. I got another daughter in Atlanta with two grandsons. So um, there's a lot I want to do. Um, and so I'll think about it at the appropriate time, but I think that I can provide the leadership for Charlotte. Uh, I think I can be an honest broker between um, both parties, Democrats and Republicans. I think I can speak for um, a wide variety of citizens in this community from Ballantyne to University City to inner city Charlotte. Got the experience, got the know-how, um, not married to being mayor. I think you want someone that has other things to do as well, that this is not something that they're hovering over. And so um, you will see. Uh, I'm intrigued. Carolina Panthers. What's the situation going on with the Carolina Panthers? Because I remember when Carol, when he was awarded, the very day that they had the big ceremony uptown, that he was awarded the soccer franchise. Mm-hmm. And I remember interviewing him at that day and saying, well, what happens if this Eastland thing falls apart and the money with the stadium for the renovations and all that? And he said, look, he said, this is a partnership. And he was saying this back then. Mm-hmm. He said, it's a partnership between me, the fans, the city, the county, and the state. Mm-hmm. And he truly believes that. And I tend to agree. Mm-hmm. But my own personal opinions aside, what what's the latest with the Carolina Panthers and possible public funding from the city and the stadium and all that stuff. What's going on there? Well, let's first things first. We won a game. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know, right? So we're one in six, <laughs> and people support winners. Uh, here's the thing. Um, Charlotte, uh, DNA is in the uh, – and sports and entertainment is in the DNA of the city of Charlotte. Um, when I got here in 81, we had wrestling and racing. That was it. That's it. And yeah, um, I grew up here, so yeah, yeah. Move forward now. We got Panthers and Hornets and and uh, NASCAR Hall of Fame and NASCAR. We got Triple A baseball. We have um, um, the um, golf tournaments. Wells Fargo's president cup and almost, almost had a one thousand Masters tennis tournament. And so I support um, sports and entertainment in the city. Um, I've gotten to know um, Dave um, uh, well, I think. Uh, and um, it's not really about the Panthers, uh, Tepper Sports and Entertainment. is about the $1.5 billion that they produce um, um, uh, economic impact that goes to those who work in that industry, travel and tourism, uh, the waiters, the waitresses, the small business owners, the hotels, the bars and restaurants, uh, the regional draw that comes to Charlotte to help pay for that prepared food tax and the hotel motel tax that come to support what we're doing in the city. And so from that perspective, a $1.5 billion economic impact yearly deserves some type of support to keep the team here in the city of Charlotte. Um, So yes, I I think next year we will have some conversations with them. We're working at their pace. We're not rushing to write them a check. It will not be a blank check. Um, But I think when you look at... um, what's happening with uh, the stadium, which is our living room, right, where we have concerts and 
soccer and football and, and all those things I talked about in terms of how it impacts Uptown Charlotte and the region uh, that I believe that we will find a way to help them renovate that stadium uh, and do it in a way that keeps the team in Charlotte for 25 more years. So renovation is the is that the way you understand it, not the Charlotte Pipe and Foundry and getting that land? Because, you know, all the word was, well, David Tepper, he wants the exact same deal. He wants Charlotte to buy the Charlotte Pipe and Foundry, the city of Charlotte to buy that, and then do the stadium. I, I think, what do you I think, think? I think we're beyond that now. Okay. It, it's, it's a... Um, public-private partnership. Um, they've done their due diligence, and they're continuing to do that. They have not approached us. Now, obviously, we talk with our partners all the time, right? So we talk to the Panthers daily. We talk to the folks at uh, Fred Whitfield and those guys at the Basketball Daily. We talk to the Sports Commission daily. So you would want us to be talking with them, right? So it's no secret that we've been talking about this thing uh, in terms of when, where, to what extent. And so, yeah, we're going to make an investment uh, probably sometime next year. Um, what that investment's going to look like, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a new stadium. I think it's going to be a renovated facility. I don't think we'll um, buy any land for them. I think it'll be a straight uh, up and down talk about how can we uh, lock this team in our community for 25 years? How can we improve our living room, Bank of America Stadium? And how can we continue to grow that economic pie of $1.5 billion dollars to support travel and tourism and those who work in that industry in the city of Charlotte. I told you he had a lot of really interesting things to say and go to WBT.com for the entire interview. You won't be sorry. I'm telling you, it was really, really good. So much thanks to him. All right, so when we come back, speaking of the Carolina Panthers, hey, it is Panthers Friday and they got a win last week. They're not gonna go winless. I never thought they would. But hey, there's another chance this weekend to get another victory. We're going to talk about that and hear Frank Reich when we return. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Friday night. Just a few more minutes until we send you off into the weekend. All right, so Frank Reich spoke to the media about last week's win. Look out. The Carolina Panthers got a win. I never thought they were going to go winless. I mean, I didn't. But they got the win. They got the zero off their backs. And so now they're facing the Indianapolis Colts here at home. It's another chance for them to win. The Colts are not having their starting quarterback. So Frank Reich, the head coach, talked about the win last week and the fact that he's going against the Indianapolis Colts and a coach that he knows extremely well. Uh, as you prepare for the Colts, what do you see that they do well on all three phases that you guys are going to be preparing for? Yeah, I think on offense, this team, you know, they've been consistent. They've been consistent in scoring points, gaining yards. Um, you know, good. They run a bunch of no huddle. They run more no huddle plays per game than anybody else. Um, they run more RPOs than anybody else. 
Uh, they score points. You know, they've been productive on offense. Shane Steichen's done a great job. They've, you know, spread the ball around on defense. Um, you know, Gus Bradley. You know, know him well, and he's an excellent, excellent coach. They've had to, you know, manage a lot of moving parts. Um, you know, done a good job. Certainly, they run to the ball better than anybody. Um, they mix up their coverages. You know, he's pressuring more than he's pressured in the past. Um, you know. Very disruptive players. They take the ball away extremely well. You know, when you look at their play, you know, Kenny and and uh, Shaq and Zaire and the whole crew, you know, a lot of strip sacks. So they take the ball away, uh, do that very well. You know, and then on special teams, they're fast on special teams. Uh, they really cover well. Um, so good, good football team. Frank, I think you said in earlier this year when you had been in the no bitterness ever being fired there, what emotions did you lead there with? Positive emotions. You know, there's always a disappointment about moving on, just like anybody who moves on in a job. But a lot of great relationships. Um, but for me, this is, you know, this is very common, right, in this league. I've been in this league 30 years. Um, players and coaches, you move on. Um, you, you have a new family. You love the people you just left. You respect them. You move on, and you're focused to the next chapter in your life and your career. And so that's the position we're at, and I'm excited about that and excited about the game. What did you learn from that experience of, of going through that last year? And, and did that have anything to do with you giving up the play calling duties early this year? I, you know, I'm not going to go back to go, you know, I mean, when I got here, I kind of went over the, uh, answered all the questions about what you learn. I think as coaches and players, we're all always learning all the time. So I don't want to really rehash that. Focus really about this season, this team, really focus more on our players. I, I don't want to. You guys know how it is. I don't want to stand up here and make this a personal thing This because it's not. I mean, this is the next game. Um, they're all important. Um, I'm interested in our guys and how we're going to prepare this week. Frank, I'm understanding that there is one thing I don't know that you'd have the opportunity to address. Maybe you want to, maybe you don't. But there was a report, or maybe several, that um, Mr. Ursay kind of foisted a quarterback choice on you last year before the firing. Did that make it difficult, especially given your years at, at coaching and playing that position? Yeah, I respect the question, Joe, but I'm not going to address the question. Um, I, I certainly understand the request. Like I said, I'm focused on this year and um, looking forward to tomorrow's practice. We had a really good practice today, um, a lot of energy running around hard. All three phases were good and sharp today, and uh, we need to repeat that tomorrow. Has your experience as a player helped you compartmentalize some of those emotions maybe when they do get a little it really has I mean and, and all the you know all the years in this business as a player and as a coach like I said you know I've been with a lot of different teams and players and coaches and so there's a lot of transition in this business and uh, I, you talk to probably 50 percent of the guys in the locker room coaches in the locker room we've all had this experience so you compartmentalize it you move on you're focused on the next game Frank, with that said with all that transitioning you were you were basically Shane's boss in San Diego as, as the offensive coordinator and him being a quality control coach. You're getting to face him. We've seen how much pride you've taken in Thomas Brown. How cool is it to kind of see somebody from your tree, essentially, uh, on Sunday? I mean, Shane's a, Shane's a phenomenal coach. And, and by the way, and you guys know, and a great human being, a great person. Um, yeah, I think back in San Diego when I was there as the offensive coordinator, it was me and Nick Seriani and Shane Steichen sitting in those meetings, game planning. You know the past game and, and a lot of stuff. So, obviously that was a, that was a pretty dynamic group. 
um, you could tell right away both of those guys. I, I knew Nick right away, and same thing with Shane. They're those super bright, super brilliant football minds, hard workers, understand every aspect of the game. And, you know, Shane's success is no surprise. I mean, he's been successful at every stop, everywhere he's been. He's made a big impact, so super happy for Shane. Jonathan Bingo had his best game in terms of yards this past Sunday. What have you been seeing from him as he develops? More confidence. You know, he's got more confidence. You know, more making. You know, this was good. This was a good game from this last game. You know, making some plays, getting that deep ball. Um, you know, he's continued to be a. Uh, an impact player in the run game. It's very important, you know, as far as blocking force. He doesn't shy away from that. Um, you know, fewer and fewer mental errors. You know, we've done some no huddle. He, he's done well at that. So um, he's continuing to develop at, at a good pace. Frank Price gets his first win this past week. But what do you, you know, he still got sacked quite a few times. And what, what do you guys got to do to kind of cut down on the pressures, the sacks, and you know, if he can do that, do you feel like his ceiling goes further up? I, I absolutely think his ceiling goes further up, and, and we have to get that cleaned up. And we did, you know, there were, and I'm not going to go into the details, but there were one or two little minor things. And coming from different, you know, perspectives, you know, from O-line play, from running backs, quarterback, play calls, the whole thing, how it all goes together, situational football, um, we can continue to learn and, and get better from that. I believe we will. You know, that was too many sacks. I mean, that's just unacceptable. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll focus on doing a better job this week. How much of it is, does he need to get rid of the ball quicker, too, or is it not on him? Is it not his uh, You know, I, I can honestly say that there, you know, it felt like in the game there was one or two. I felt like, uh, get that out. But then as I watched the film, there, there was nowhere to get it out. The, the one or two times that I thought there, it didn't look like there was anywhere to get it out to. So, um, you know, we collectively have to do a better job of giving him outlets, you know, when, it, when it's not there down the field. Um, and so that it's, all, it's all part of it. Like I said, there's no one thing. When you get sacked six times, it's, you know, maybe one of it's one thing. You got one reason. You got four different reasons in six sacks. So we got to get those cleaned up. Following up on that, with the addition of Austin, and, you know, you guys have had to blend offensive linemen throughout the season. Is that something that some stability in those position group, in that position group, could also maybe alleviate. Stability always helps, but every team's dealing with it, right? I mean, um, I think James Campen and Coos do a good job of you know rotating those guys through. It's a tight knit room. Um, the room takes a lot of pride in, in its work. So, um, you know, a little bit of heat after last week with all those sacks that we mentioned. Not all on the O line. We'll be better this week. Um, and you know, I think we've I think we're continuing to learn and, and going to get better. Um, I'm excited about the guys and the trajectory we're on, but we definitely have to be better. Frank, I would guess you haven't had much time in the fall to kind of unwind or whatever, and you had that opportunity last year. Did you take some time away before you sort of started prepping for, for your next job? Absolutely. Um, you know, use, use the time to kind of refresh and, you know, um, no doubt that that was part of it. Spend time with family, just relax personally. And that's why I felt like I got here with a lot of a lot of energy, a lot to prove, and I'm excited. Frank, I know Gus has been around and done a lot of the same things in Seattle and Jacksonville. But what is what's the upside and the downside to coaching offense against a guy that you you know practice with and worked with as a defensive coordinator? Yeah, and it, it's it's interesting. I mean, we Gus and I had a lot of conversations. You know, we got very close in in the one year we worked together. Um, 
sat in his office for many, many hours talking football offseason during the season. And there's a few guys I respect more than Gus Bradley. He's a great football coach and a great man. Um, so, and, and I think Gus has continued to reinvent himself. You know, went from playing all that Seattle three, which they still play, but they've done so many variations off that, playing more quarters. And, you know, so he's, he's mixing it up. You know, the, their pressure package that they're running right now is very sophisticated. They have some very good pressures that they're running. Um, so it's kind of fun, you know, that we sat, we would sit there and, you know, challenge each other, um, you know, about, you know, going up against each other every day in practice. So, um, you know, uh, no conversations this week, though. You know, I think it's like one of those things, just best to leave it alone until after the game, but a lot of respect for Gus. All right, there you have it. That is Frank Reich and with the Carolina Panthers. All right, everyone, look, have a great weekend. It's supposed to be in the 70s, Saturday and Sunday. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the weather while you still can. We look forward to doing this all over again next week. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen.